0: This is Getting to Know know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And we certainly appreciate those who may be watching for the first time. We'd like for you to stay tuned today. Today we want to discuss the subject, Pictures of the Gospel. Pictures of the Gospel. Please stay tuned today. Now on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And I would emphasize this course is free. We're not asking for your money, and we want you to have it. And in order that you might know more about the Bible course, that you might know how to receive it, why don't we pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.
1: The book of Romans is one of the most profound books of the entire New Testament. One man said that when you get Romans, God gets you. I believe that's correct. And today we're going to be reading out of the book of Romans. We're reading from the first chapter of Romans, beginning in verse number 14, where Paul wrote, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith in these passages of scripture paul presents to us the gospel in verse 16 he said i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god unto salvation in romans chapter 1 and verse 16 there is a contrast made between the gospel of jesus christ And the law that had been given by Moses in the Old Testament. And it's a contrast between weakness and power. It is a contrast between salvation and condemnation. It is a contrast between life and death. It is interesting that when the law of Moses was given, there were some 3,000 people who died. And then when the gospel of Jesus Christ was first proclaimed by the Apostle Peter, there were some 3,000 that were made alive. Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I trust that you are not ashamed of it either. Everything that matters in the end of our lives hinges upon what I do with the gospel. I can ignore it, I can reject it, or I can obey it. But in the final analysis, what I do matters. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, Paul wrote, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. For the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on them who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. From those passages of scriptures we learn this, that one must obey the gospel in order that they might have life everlasting. A refusal of the gospel can result in our eternal Ruin. So I suggest to you we need to obey the gospel. There are some pictures of the gospel that are presented to us in the New Testament. On a previous telecast, we talked about two of those pictures. Picture number one, the gospel is good news. And indeed it is good news. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul wrote, I moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I declare to you the gospel which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. For I preached unto you also that which was delivered unto me, how that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he arose again the third day, according to the Scripture. Paul said, I preach the gospel to you. You are saved by the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. And hence it's the good news about Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection. Because of Jesus, we can live again. The second picture that we have thus presented about the gospel is that it is a will to obey. And we read to you then from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 to 17. For this cause, He is a mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Jesus Christ gave us His last will and testament when He died upon the cross of Calvary. It went into effect. And we are to obey the conditions that are found in that testament. And we find that in the, those conditions include such things as believing the gospel. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We must believe the gospel. We must be willing not only to believe the gospel... We must believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. In John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Jesus said, He came to His own, His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. And those who believe on the name of the Son of God have the power, the right, to become the sons of God. And unless we believe in Jesus Christ, we could never hope to be saved. In John 8, 24, Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. Another condition of that will is repentance of sin. And repentance is not an option. Repentance is mandatory. In Luke 13 and 3, Jesus said, I tell you now, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And so that's a condition that's found in the will. Another condition in the will is that we are to confess our faith in Jesus Christ as being the Son of the living God. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, Jesus said, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. And then another condition of the will is baptism into Christ. Jesus in Mark 16 and 16 said, He that believeth, and is baptized, shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so those are the conditions in the will. Have you obeyed the last will and testament of Jesus? Now here's a third picture of the gospel the gospel is a way of life the gospel teaches us how to live our lives in Philippians the first chapter and in verse number 27 Paul there wrote only let your manner of life be as it becomes the gospel Our lives ought to become the gospel. Or as is written in the book of Titus, our lives ought to adorn the gospel. Our lives should make the gospel attractive to other people. So I'm to live in keeping with the high claims that are written in the gospel. You see, the gospel tells me how to live my life every day. The gospel, for example, teaches me that I must be a steadfast person. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, those early Christians were steadfast. It just reads, and they continued, steadfastly. You see, I need to be a steadfast Christian. Some are hot one day and cold another. But I'm not to be that way as a Christian. You see, the Bible teaches me to be steadfast. The Bible teaches me to worship. It's not something that's optional for me if I obey the gospel. And I live by the gospel. In John four twenty four, Jesus said, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him. Did you notice that? He said you must worship Him. And then He tells us how. We must worship Him. In spirit and in truth. So the gospel teaches us to worship the Lord. You know, the gospel also teaches us to be kind to people. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 32, Paul wrote, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So the gospel tells us to be kind in our dealings with others. We live in a time when so many people are, are not as kind to others as they ought to be. But the gospel teaches us to be like that. The gospel also teaches us to be forgiving one of another. In that same passage in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, he said, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. There are so many people who hold bitterness in their hearts. And they hold grudges because they cannot bring themselves to forgive other people. But if I expect to live by the gospel, I'm going to have to become a person who's willing to forgive. Jesus said, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. So I need to be willing to forgive in order that I might be forgiven. So the gospel teaches that. The gospel also teaches me to love. Oh, there's a shortage of love in our world today. But the gospel teaches us to love. Jesus set the example by showing his love. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus also said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, keep my commandments. He wants us to be people of love. But Jesus further wants us to show love to others. In John the 13th chapter and verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one toward another. And so that that we show love for each other. And one of the ways that other people know that we're followers of Jesus Christ and that we're serving Jesus Christ is by the attitude of love that we have one toward another. So the gospel is a way of life. It teaches us how to live. And we need to conform our lives to the teachings of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a fourth picture of the gospel that I want to present to you. We have presented to you the, the, the picture of the gospel, that the gospel is a way of life. I have presented to you that that, that the gospel is a will to obey. And I have presented to you that the gospel is good news about Jesus. But the gospel is also power. That's the fourth picture that I want to present to you. It's power. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and in verses 17 and 18. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. I've known of people who would take that statement of Paul and twist it so that they would try to have Paul saying that it's not necessary to be baptized. Paul is not saying that at all. Paul is merely saying, there are others that can do the baptizing, I'll do the teaching. I'll teach those who need to be baptized, others can do the baptizing. So he says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And then he said, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Friends, the power to save the world is not in a personality. The power to save the world is not in a preacher. The power to save the world is not in some plan or some program. The power to save the world is not having entertainment in a worship service. The power to save the world is not in the money that you have, in the moneyed people that you may have in the church. The power to save the world is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul again in Romans 1:16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. If the world is ever saved it will be because they have become obedient to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the power is. I repeat the power is not in a man. The power is not in people. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ and there's power in the word of God. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is quick and it is powerful. Power in the gospel. While God Almighty has filled the gospel full of power, there is the power of love in the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Power of love. It's love that causes a man and woman, husband and wife, to stay together until death. Love draws them together. And there is power, the power of love that God has placed in the Gospel. His love, the love that He has for all mankind. I may be speaking to some person right now who feels so unloved. You feel as though no one cares. But may I remind you and may I assure you, there's someone who does care. Jesus cares. Jesus cared enough that Jesus was willing to go to the cross and die in your place. He loves you. There's the power of love. There's the power of sacrifice in the gospel. Jesus sacrificed Himself for you, for me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, we're told that Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And Jesus is our Paschal Lamb. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. There is the power of unity in the gospel. Jesus Christ did not go to the cross of Calvary and die there in order that there might be a confederation of different religious organizations. I I began to check the other day on on the internet, on Wikipedia, to try to determine how many denominations there are in the world. I was absolutely astounded at the number that I found, 41,000. Jesus Christ did not die that we might be divided up into little groups all over the world. But rather, Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary that we might be united together in Him in one body. Listen to the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, in the second chapter of Ephesians, in verse 14 beginning. For He is our peace who hath made both one. And hath broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, for to make of himself of twain one new man so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God. Now that's the reconciliation of both the Jew and the Gentile unto God. Well, where? In one body. In one body. How? By the cross. It was by the death of Jesus Christ that God wanted to reconcile men, all men, to be together in one body. I want to call your attention to the last two verses of chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. He hath put all things under His feet, gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. It is in the church. It is in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church for which our Lord shed His blood on Calvary, that He wanted men to be together and united, not divided. Jesus prayed that there would be unity of believers. In John chapter 17 and verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word that they all may be one. The Lord wants us to be united. And Paul wrote about unity in Ephesians chapter 4 when he wrote in verse 3 beginning, Endeavoring to keep the unity, of the spirit, and the bond of peace, there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Jesus died for unity that we might be one in Him, that there would not be male or female, bond or free. We would all be one in Christ. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 28. There's power in the gospel. The gospel is God's power. There is the power of fear in the gospel. Someone says, you mean Brother Lambert, there's the power of fear in it? Yeah, absolutely. In Matthew chapter 10 and in verse 28, Jesus said, Fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but hath no power over the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. You see, we need to fear losing our souls. And God has placed certain things in the Bible to cause us to have fear in our hearts respect in our hearts, reverential fear in our hearts. For example, the gospel tells us about death. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible says, And it is appointed unto a man once to die. The Bible tells us that we're going to die. That ought to make us think. I I realize that we, we think that we will never die. Young people think that they are invincible and that they're going to always be young, but may I assure the young, you're going to get older. And so we all get older and eventually we're going to die. You see, the gospel tells us that. The gospel tells us that there's a judgment coming someday. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone must receive the things done in his body according to hath done, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Whatever we've done in our lives, we'll answer for it on the day of judgment. And if we've served God, we've obeyed the gospel, and we lived a faithful, dedicated Christian life, on that day we will receive the crown of reward, and the Lord will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Have you obeyed the gospel? The gospel is God's power. Would you not today obey the gospel by believing on Jesus, by repenting of your sins, by confessing your faith in Christ, by being baptized into Jesus Christ? It's the Lord who said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Would you not do that? I may be speaking to some person right now, who realizes that there's something missing in his or her life. I want you to know that Jesus Christ went to Calvary, and He died upon that cross, and He was raised from the dead, that you might have some hope and purpose for living. There are so many people who are like wandering generalities. They have no purpose in life, no aim in life, and, and, and I want you to know that it's Jesus Christ in obedience to Him, in obedience to His gospel that gives us purpose and gives us aim for living. Jesus in John 10 and verse 10 said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. When Jesus was on that cross, as it were, Jesus had one hand extended toward heaven and He had one hand extended toward earth. And it's Jesus Christ who bridges the gap that's been between God and man. And Jesus is saying, Cross over, cross over on me. And if we go to heaven, it will be because of what Jesus did in dying for us upon the cross, and it will be because we obeyed His gospel. It is important to obey the gospel. It's not an optional matter. And I urge you today to think on these things. Now today, as we come to the close of our telecast, I want to give you a personal invitation. First of all, to attend the Church of Christ in your community, where they are endeavoring to preach the gospel of Christ. We want to encourage you to visit. I had someone tell me one day as I was visiting in their home, and their city, and in their congregation in uh, a northern state. And they said, Brother Lambert, every day you kept telling us to stop by and visit the Church of Christ, and we finally did. We've never gone anywhere else. Let me encourage you to do that. And if you've not yet picked up the telephone and called for the free Bible course, don't hesitate another moment. Please do it right now. We love you. We want you to be a Christian. We want you to know about the gospel, and we want to help you in any way we possibly can. I want to thank you for watching today. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer.